and welcome into the latest edition of the Sharpshooters. I'm David Schuster, and he, of course, is Mr. Andy Roth, and we're sponsored by DraftKings, and more from our sponsor in just a little bit. Also in just a little bit, I have a conversation that I recorded a little bit ago with Detroit Pistons TV play-by-play, Mr. George Blaha, who's been covering the Pistons and the NBA for a long, long time, over 40 years as the play-by-play announcer for the Pistons. Pretty good conversation that's upcoming. All right, Andy, a lot has happened in the NBA since last we did our podcast. Uh, It's really interesting. I guess we should start with the marquee game in the league last night. You had two teams that combined had won, I believe it was 23 games in a row. One of them, Phoenix, 16 in a row. The other, Golden State, at seven in a row. They're both, you know, like uh, lapping the field, not only in in the Western Conference, but really the entire league. And it was interesting. uh, You know, nobody's really been able to defend Golden State until last night. Phoenix did a really good job. Yeah, the the Suns were tough. Uh, McCall Bridges was great. He may be a defensive player of the year candidate. And um, I mean, what stood out to me in, in terms of watching that game and then watching the Knicks and Nets before that, especially uh, Brooklyn, is how much ball movement Golden State and Phoenix had, where in the Brooklyn game, you have Harden and Durant pounding the ball too much. You know, okay. Phoenix and Golden State really share the ball, a lot of screening away from the ball, uh, just a better brand of basketball and a more efficient brand. Oh, uh, no question about it. And and they have a rematch coming up out in the Bay Area on Friday night. I'll be interesting, uh, interested rather to see what kind of uh, changes uh, Golden State makes in that game. Now, one of the things that Golden State, as great as they are, and they've been fantastic all season. Don't get me wrong; they're they're both those teams are eighteen and three. But Golden State right now, and I still say this, you know, if you have a big man, he does make a difference, and you can say uh, whatever you want about DeAndre Ayton. He makes a difference, especially on the defensive end of the court. I mean, he's a legit seven-one. He blocks shots. He rebounds. He's a rim protector. Yada yada yada. Golden State doesn't have that now. Maybe Wiseman comes back and he can at least counteract Aiton on on that end of the court. That but that's down the road. So Golden State, as great as they are, against teams that have a big center, maybe Embiid, maybe a, a, a cat for Minnesota to a lesser degree, they're they're going to still have their own struggles against teams that have a big front line. Yeah, it's, it's funny you bring that up because prior to the game, I sent out a tweet that it said they'd only faced two good offensive centers this season. I think it was Valanchunas and Cat. So I was curious to see, you know, how they would deal with Aiton, and, and they had trouble with that. Uh, but the thing that killed them last night was the turnovers, yeah. you know, against a team like Phoenix. And Golden State does turn the ball over a lot, but when you're playing a high-level team, uh, you know, that that's a tough one to overcome. And a rare, and I do mean rare, off game for Steph Curry. I mean, he was, what, 5 of 21 or something like that from the field last night? I would almost promise or guarantee that in the rematch on Friday night, he will play much, 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 much better. Yeah, I'm sure he will. But give Phoenix credit also for surviving the loss of Devin Booker. Played with him out with him for you know a good part of the game, and uh, probably Booker will not be there for the rematch. It'll be really interesting to see you know when Clay comes back because I've said it before. I think Clay eventually, when he gets his legs underneath him. He's going to be just fine. He's not a guy that's relied on explosive athleticism or explosiveness off the dribble. So, you know, once he gets his conditioning and everything, uh, it's going to be quite a sight to see those two back together again. You know, it's really interesting. Phoenix, again, has won 17 in a row. That's unbelievable to win that many games in a row at any level at any sport. I mean, it's just not easy with the travel and everything else. 
They started off one and three. Now they've reeled off 17 in a row. And I think I said earlier on, Andy, I go, if there's one team that's going to slide a little bit from where they were last year and they were in the in the championship round, uh, it's Phoenix. So I look like a prophet through four games. Now I look like a complete idiot, obviously. Well, the other thing you've got to keep in mind is that, you know, Aiton and a guy like Mikhail Bridges, you know, they haven't reached their ceiling yet. So I, I expect, you know, Aiton to be better than he was last year and Bridges – Certainly defensively, it was even turned it up to another level for them. Yeah, I just thought Chris Paul, you know, being 36 going on 37, he would start sliding. Actually, he's playing as good as he ever did. I mean, he's just, yeah. he, I mean, he's obviously a future Hall of Famer. That goes without saying. And, um, and he really hasn't lost much quickness, and the basketball IQ is there forever. Yeah. All right. Before we go to the uh, what, uh, the Eastern Conference, a little bit more on the uh, on the Western mm-hmm. Conference. The next team on the totem pole is Utah at fourteen and seven. I saw them here in Chicago. They were playing without Mike Conley that night. You know, and and the two guys uh, that were in the running for sixth man, both Ingles and Clarkson, they're not playing as well as they did last year. Nope. Donovan, Donovan Mitchell is still a really good player, and and uh, Gobert is obviously very effective. You know, in the middle, both ends of the court. But something seems to be lacking out there. I think they're being overrated. And you mentioned Ingles and Clarkson both had big years last year. I think it's going to be hard to duplicate that. But I think they really got exposed on the perimeter defensively against the Clippers last year where, you know, Bogdanovich and and Ingles got destroyed. I don't have a lot of faith in this team. And and I feel bad for the Denver Nuggets. I mean, they were really good last year. And if they were, you know, at 100 percent, healthy, they, they'd be in the running for the top of the conference also. But, I mean, too many injuries. And now Michael Porter Jr. and his career is in jeopardy because he's had so many back issues. He's going to have uh, back surgery, and he'll be out for the rest of the season. And who knows what his future, uh, unfortunately, although he did get a contract, so good for him getting the contract before the injury. Uh, you know, as good as Jokic is, he's not going to be able to carry that team like he did last year. And they also lost another quality rotation player, P.J. Dozier, yeah. for the ACL the other day. That that hurt them. So, yeah, it's a shame. I mean, if they had Murray, Porter, and Jokic with the rest of that squad, you know, they would be dangerous. Yeah. New Orleans, uh, Zion's going to come back. But, they, I mean, I, is he coming back just to further get out of there at some point? Is is that Do you think that's his M.O.? Uh, that situation is a total mess. Yeah, it is. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a trade demand from Zion down the road. Yeah, I, I think that's going to happen somewhere. And then isn't it funny, Andy, because I kept saying, you know, you can't trade somebody unless you get them on the court. And now all of a sudden, John Wall wants to get on the court, although he wants to start. Um, and I'm not so sure they're going to allow that down in Houston with all those young players. And Marvin Bagley, how about that? He's starting to play some basketball. There was no way they were going to trade him if he was sitting his ass on the bench. So yeah. they, had to trade, they had to play him. And I and I watched the Kings-Lakers game the other night, and Bagley really played well, and and he was guarding LeBron on occasion. And, you know, he's, he's tall and he's long. He can move his feet. You know, he's definitely worth uh, looking into for a trade. Okay, let's talk about the Eastern Conference, then we'll get to the interview that I did with George Blaha. Um, it's competitive. I guess that's the best word to say in the Eastern Conference. I mean, Brooklyn is still, you know, and you saw them beat the Knicks. And it must have been a pretty good game last night. I didn't witness it myself. But Brooklyn's leading the way at 15-6. and six. The Bulls have had some bumps in the road, but they're 14-8 and eight overall. Miami now with the injuries to, uh, to Bam and to Jimmy Butler. Um, and, and I didn't really, you know... I saw him play here in Chicago. The Bulls won the game the other night. Again, they were playing a little shorthanded, although Butler and Bam both played in that game. I don't know. Miami's missing something. I don't know what it is, to be honest with you. And then Milwaukee, 
which I guess is in a dogfight tonight against Charlotte. They were down big, and now I guess it's almost even. They've won seven in a row. That's all Giannis. That's all Giannis as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and look, uh, as long as they've got Giannis and, and Middleton and Holiday healthy, you know, they're, they're serious contenders in the East. They're still awaiting Brooke Lopez coming back. They signed Cousins. Uh, you know, Brooklyn, their biggest issue is what will James Harden really be? Because I, I, as the more I watch Brooklyn, I say the same thing about Harden. You don't see the same explosiveness or acceleration off the dribble that we're used to seeing. And if he doesn't have that aspect of his game, he's not an elite player. And if he's not an elite player, Brooklyn is not a contender. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, I don't think Kyrie Irving, and, I, and I'll be wrong on this one, I said he would come back at some point, but I guess he's so damn stubborn that I guess he's not going to come back. I mean, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, this could be like his last chance. Uh, he's been out of the league for a while. You know, when he was healthy and younger, he was a hell of a player, obviously. He's not going to be expected to do that much. Can he at least do what Dwight Howard has now done in his latter years and just be a rim protector and a periodic scorer? Yeah, but the thing was, Cousins was never that type of player as far as a rim protector and a high-level defender. And, you know, physically, I don't think, you know, he can move as well as Dwight does right now. So uh, the only thing I could say is maybe offensively he can give them a boost because he's got such good talent around him. All right, how about your Knicks? I mean, the Knicks were flying Not high. Knicks. Okay, how about the Knicks from the, from the backyard that you uh, live in in New York? Yeah. I mean, they're flying high early. Now, you know, as of uh, today, they're 11 and 10. Kemba Walker, no surprise here, out of the rotation. I would have been curious how that went with Thibodeau. You're out of the rotation. <laughs> the, the, the funny thing about that is before that happened, I said to a friend of mine, you know, Kemba should not be starting. His minutes should be reduced. Alec Burke should be playing a lot more. I guess Tibbs finally woke up because that was the obvious move. And again, you know, we talked about this. I said to you, the signings of Walker and Fournier weren't moving the needle for this team. And again, the thing that matters the most to them at this point is that Julius Randle has to be a really, really, really good player. R.J. Barrett has to continue to develop and and be an all-star caliber talent. Because if you draft a guy number three overall, that's what you're hoping and expecting for. And and quickly and Toppin have to progress too. Yeah. And but I wouldn't be that optimistic. Okay. And there's some other there's some other teams in the Eastern Conference that are just basically treading water. Boston's also at 11 and 10 as of this recording. You know, I saw enough of Boston earlier in the season, and, and their soap opera screaming at each other on the court and in the locker room. That's a bad sign for the entire season. Atlanta has been a surprise only at 11 and 10. And Cleveland's also a surprise, but not that's, for the same reason at 11. That's my team. I love watching them play. I told you, Mobley, future MVP, as soon as he puts some weight on, 25 a game in his sleep. Jared Allen has been fantastic. Maybe he's a guy that should get some attention for most improved player. He's shooting 70% from the floor. And Darius Garland is growing into one hell of a player. This team, I put out a tweet yesterday, two to three years, title contenders. Cavaliers. Okay. Well, and and I think the, the main reason for optimism there is Mowgli. I mean, I told you even before the season, I thought he was going to be rookie of the year. And so far, I think he is going to be the rookie of the year. He's a big man. He plays both ends of the court. That's why I keep saying, if you get the right big man, it's always going to be a big man sport as far as I'm concerned. Only if 
you have the right big man, of course. And I think he is that right big man. Um, I saw Charlotte here the other night, LaMelo Ball. First time I've seen him in person. I was really impressed with what this kid not only is right now, but even more so what he will become as he gets bigger and stronger. Yeah, it's scary. What is he, 21 years old? Yeah. I mean, he's got the size. He's got the basketball IQ. Tremendous passer. He's been a much better long-range shooter than people expected. You know, they've got gold there in Charlotte with ball. Yeah, and, and any thoughts on the Bulls? I mean, the Bulls are an interesting team. I don't believe they're a title contender. Uh, I'm not going to be jingoistic and say that. They're just not. They're, they're a playoff contender, and I think ultimately they'll – uh, the Eastern Conference is really interesting. It's it's going to get very bunched. It already is, but it's going to get even more bunched as the season goes on. I could see the Bulls finishing fifth or sixth when it's all said and done. You know, if you, I know you're not a big fan of Vucevic. but they- oh, I, I, had a, I had to tell you about a tweet the other night. Didn't they play Charlotte the other night? And I saw what, what you said. What was I it? always see what you yeah. say when it comes it, it, to What did they have? Nick Richards and P.J. Washington at the center? Yeah. yeah. And I, said, I said Nick Vucevic. Man, that guy can dominate weak competition. Well, and, and and listen, that part is true. That part is true. <laughs> but there's very few. T- but, the, you know, the Bulls need contributions, obviously. Um, and he's their only big body. He, you know, that's why the Bulls will n- are not a title contender. Not that even if they had Patrick Williams when the season started, unfortunately he had an injury and he's probably not going to play at all this year. He was their only legitimate power forward. The Bulls are guarding other teams' power forwards with guys who are 6'4", 6'5". It's not right for them to be doing that. They're just at a disadvantage. They're beating you playing small ball, which is great against other teams that play the same style. But if you go against bigger, stronger teams, they played Indiana, which is not a very good team this year. But Indiana's got a big front line. Yeah, with Sabonis and Turner, sure. And and so, you know, the Bulls got destroyed in that game because Indiana used its size to its own advantage. But the Bulls are still interesting. I still wonder in the long run, even though – it's working to so far how DeRozan and uh, Zach Levine are going to work out down the road because DeRozan demands to have the ball. He's been the number one scorer in the NBA in the fourth quarter, but he demands to have the ball in his hands. Zach Levine has to have the ball in his hands to be effective, as I know you know that also. So I'm just wondering if down the road there's going to be a conflict here. You think the coach will be able to resolve that in terms of, you know, no, then they've no. got a problem. It's a player's league. I, it, has, yeah. it hasn't manifested itself yet. Um, and, and I've said it on a couple of occasions, I think as good as DeRozan's been, and he's been really good this year, one of the better players in the NBA. But I've accused him of being a ball hog at times, Andy. Right, you know, right. When you go one on three and there's nobody underneath the basket, in case you miss, that's not smart basketball. It just isn't. Yep, yep. By the way, any whispers of them pursuing a big in a trade? I don't know really what they can do. Now, it's interesting. Today, both the Bulls and Miami were slapped on the wrist by the league, you know, for not tampering, but I, I guess how, how you would phrase it, that they uh, negotiated with Lonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry, respectively, Too early. Before, before they were allowed to do it. So right. I, don't know why, I don't know why the league took three months or whatever it was to finally – take a second round pick away from both teams. They the Bulls really don't have much to offer. I mean, the uh they they lost their first round pick um for next year. Uh you know, the Vucevic thing as you've pointed out many times is going to hurt them for the future because they gave up first round picks. Yeah. So I don't know what they can do to make a trade. 
Yeah. By the way, what are your impressions of one of my favorite college players from last year, Mr. Dosunmu? How do you like him so far? A lot better than I thought. I honestly yeah. didn't think and, – and listen, I didn't think he'd even be much less on the team. I thought he'd be a two-way player and to play a lot in the G League. But with uh, Kobe White being down with his shoulder injury initially, and now he's going into COVID, so he'll be out 10 more days, Dosunmu had the opportunity, and he's taken advantage. Um, you know, he looks like he's 12 years old. I mean, compared to some of the other guys, facially, he looks like such yeah, a Yeah, he's young. Person. He looks young. Really young. But he hustles. He really hustles. His shot from the outside is a little unorthodox. But listen, it doesn't make a difference as long as it goes in the basket. And, you know, he plays defense. So, you know, he's earned his opportunity, and he will continue to stay in the rotation. So he's been a lot better and uh, than I thought he would be in the NBA so far. And he looks pretty confident out there. You know, it doesn't seem rattled. No, he doesn't. Uh, and he, he's really, you know, when the Bulls go small, I mean, he fits into the pattern of, the, you know, the small. I mean, the Bulls, when they go small, uh, DeRozan might be the tallest player out there at 6'7". That's sort of right, scary in today's right. NBA. At least to me it is. Right, right. Anyway, we'll get to George Blaha's interview in just a, so- a second here. But right now, a word from our sponsor that, of course, is uh, DraftKings and football fans. I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Andy, I want to talk to you about one of your all-time favorite players in just a moment. But first, I want to uh, play a little interview that I had a chance uh, uh, to do with George Blaha, who's been the long, long-time announcer for the Detroit Pistons on TV. I love working with the different announcers. They're all different. They're not a dime a dozen. They're all different, and I love the different personalities. Anyway, here's myself with George Blaha just a short while ago. George, one of the most amazing things about you is in, in the 45 years you've been doing this, you've only missed three games because of illness. That's pretty amazing. Well, I've been lucky. You know, I, I, the only reason you would, to my opinion, the only reason to miss a game is if you have laryngitis. Uh, and I had laryngitis three times. But if, you know, you could take enough aspirin or something so you feel good enough to do it. And if you have an internal problem, just don't eat anything. That's, that's my, my, uh, my way of doing it anyway. 45 years, you still get a kick out of doing it. I, I know that I could probably come here until I'm 150 and still get a kick out of watching these guys play. Well, it, it's a great league. Uh, terrific players. Uh, there's not too much that's tricked up about it. The three-point line, some people might say, is it's changed the game, but uh, you still get, I think, a legitimate amount of credit for it. So uh, it, it's probably legitimate. You're thinking about all the different ways teams settle things in overtime. In the NBA, we just play, and, and that's how it should be. You know, Greg Kelser is your color guy right now. 
taking a look back at all the guys that have sat next to you, it's almost like a who's who. It's like a Pistons Hall of Fame. And, and, and an NBA Hall of Fame in, in some ways, too. Uh, I worked with Hubie Brown, uh, Mike Fratello. Uh, I worked with John McLeod, God rest his soul, and, and, and so many others, uh, including Kevin Lockery, who was one of my favorites because he's a heck of a player and a heck of a coach and a funny, funny guy. Dave Bing was one of my favorites. Uh, Kelly Trapuca and Bill Lambeer, on and on it goes, but I'm enjoying Special K a lot, too. You know, people here in Chicago will forever probably have animosity towards the bad boys teams, but honestly, if you look back at it, those were great basketball teams. What are your memories? Well, uh, I felt like uh, that was a team that really uh, paid its dues before they finally got to the throne room. And, uh, you know, when you got to go through the teams that you have to go through and the players you have to go through to win championships, uh, if you're the bad boys, that is, uh, maybe you ought to get two trophies every time. Yeah, and, and, and some of the names, I mean, great players, characters in a good way. I mean, Lambeer and Mahorn and, 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 and Sally and, and Isaiah. Isaiah is probably the best high school player and went on to be a great college player and a great NBA player. He's probably the best high school player because I thought he was a pro in eighth grade. I saw him play in eighth grade. I thought he was a pro then. Well, uh, here's what Kevin Lockery told me about Isaiah Thomas when he first started working with me uh, when Isaiah was a rookie. He said, you know, until I got here courtside to watch him play, I had no idea how tough he was. He said, I could see he was a great player right away. He said, Ray Charles could see he's a great player. And uh, he he's an amazing guy, and uh, he did wonders for the franchise. It's hard for anybody in Piston Blue to be Isaiah Thomas because there's only one of him. Absolutely. What was it like, those Bulls games against the Pistons, late 80s, early 90s? What was it like for you? Well, it was, uh, it was great theater mm-hmm. and, and, and great basketball. Uh, the fans in Detroit didn't like the Bulls. It's probably the only place Michael Jordan ever got booed. And, of course, the fans here hated the bad boys. And if the bad boys didn't have a certain amount of swagger, uh, they couldn't have competed with that crowd uh, absolutely serenading them with booze from all over Chicago Stadium. Uh, you had to have uh, uh, a good uh, opinion of yourself and, and some great self-confidence to play through all that, and they did for the most part against the Bulls. One of the players that we haven't talked about, Joe Dumars, is one of the best. He didn't make the top 75, George. I mean, how disappointing is that, that he was not on it? Michael Jordan used to say about Joe Dumars that that was probably the best player the biggest competitor he ever played against. Well, Joe was great on both ends of the court mm-hmm. and, and a very intelligent guy. If they had a list of guys who did the most for the NBA or for pro basketball, he would certainly be on it. He put together the Pistons, Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Tayshon, Rashid, and Rip championship team. Uh, great job in the front office for the Pistons as well. How much longer do you want to do this? I mean, you know, you're a, you're a young, whatever age you are, but you're young. Um, how, how much longer do you want to do this? I'm starting to think about when it would when it'd be wise to, to hang it up because, you know, uh, Father Time is unbeaten, untied, and unscored upon. So there are a few other things I'd like to do, but uh, it, when I walk away, I will certainly miss it. And Andy, I always love talking to George Blaha because... He goes back to those bad boy piston days against the Bulls. And listen, that that's, you know, I'll never write the book, but that would be a chapter in the book. 
the Bulls had overcome the Pistons, the Bad Boys, the Mahorns, the Lambeers, the Sallies, the Rodman when he was with Detroit, the Isaiah. It was thug basketball, but it was always exciting thug basketball. And then the Bulls finally overcame them, and they went on to their own championships. But those Pistons team with the Bad Boys, they won a couple of championships themselves. That was pretty good basketball, even though they were a little more than dirty at times. Yeah, and you know what? They felt they should have won three in a row. They thought they got jobbed against the Lakers and – you know, I just remember them beating the crap out of Pippen and Jordan. And again, I'll never forget when the Bulls finally conquered them in the playoffs and the Pistons walking off the court early. But um, I, really my favorite player from that team, the bad boy Pistons, was Dumars. Yeah. I think we've talked about, I thought was underrated and actually definitely should have been a top 75 player. Un- unquivocally. And and I, I asked uh, George about that uh, and he wholeheartedly agreed. Um I do always remember Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan didn't have many things kind to say about the Pistons ever because they beat the crap out of him. Um, but he always was respectful of, of Joe Dumars because Dumars, he said, played him straight, if you will, um, and, and didn't thug him a, around the court. And he had a lot of respect for him. So, yeah, again, those were great days. And I do appreciate talking to George Blaha. But I also want to ask you, because I saw one of your tweets, I think it was last week, somebody had um, – a game where they scored like 28 points and had 19 rebounds and four block shots. And you said, yeah, big deal. That would have been a bad game for Wilt Chamberlain. Well, what I normally say then, I usually say, oh, that's an off night for Wilt. Yes. You know? Well, I also had another tweet where um, Wilt over his first seven seasons averaged 40 a game. Yeah. And his primary weapon was his fadeaway jump shot. Right. So I bring up the point, why is it automatically Kareem Sky Hook was the most unstoppable shot when Wilt was averaging 40 a game for seven years with the fadeaway? And against the likes of Walt Bellamy and Willis Reed, I mean, really big-time centers. Bob Lanier. And Bob yeah. I mean, wow. the greatest stat I can give you is the year that Wilt averaged 50.4, he faced Bellamy 10 times that season. Yep. Walt Bellamy, legitimate 6'11", probably 250, 260. And Wilt averaged fifty-two point seven against him. And and you know Lanier was probably six eleven. He was two seventy-five, two eighty. Yeah. Um, who else are we talking about? Nate Thurman was a really good center back in those days. Also, uh, arguably top three defensive center of all time. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. and and Thurman gave Kareem fits. Yeah. 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 Uh, Nate Thurman was on. You know, a lot of people don't remember Nate Thurman got traded to the Bulls. And was on the Bulls for a very short time. And he had the only that I've ever witnessed quadruple double that I've witnessed in person. Right. And I believe it was Thurman and the Bulls that eliminated uh, the Bucks with without Cinder one year, I believe. And 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 Kareem had an awful series. Yes, yes. And, and you know, I do remember, and I don't know, it couldn't have been Dennis Autry because actually uh, Kareem – uh, wanted to fight Dennis Autry, but Autry, Autry was talking about thugging up basketball. Autry would thug up uh, Kareem. I think he was still El Cinder back then. And right. he, there was a time when Autry gave him an elbow in his solar plex, and then uh, um, Lou or Kareem, he got really pissed off and, and wanted to kill Dennis Autry. But there was somebody on the Bulls, and it might have even been Nate Thurman, come to think of it, who blocked uh, Kareem Skyhook. I do right. remember that. And it was like, oh, my God. I mean, because that normally did not happen, obviously. Um, 
But, you know, the other thing that Will did that people don't remember, yes, he had the fadeaway, which, you know, when you think of a big man, that's not really a shot that most big men have in their repertoire, but he had he had the finger roll also. Oh, yeah, sure. Matter of fact, great story that I heard from um, the 50th uh, anniversary of the NBA where Wilt walked in the room and said to Gervin, oh, you see him doing those commercials, you know, I'm the original guy that did the finger roll. And, and – and that's the amazing thing. You know, Wilt would finger roll over Reed and Russell and Thurmond like it was nothing because he had such an incredible wingspan and the huge hands. I mean, it was like a layup for him. We don't see another center these days able to finger roll over another seven-footer. You know, he, he just doesn't get his due. No, he really doesn't. And and people should go back. You know, you talk about – because I do this all the time. I, I go back every now and then and just uh, watch – Michael Jordan highlights on YouTube, but you want to get a thrill and, and learn a little bit about the history of the game. Go back and do the same thing with Will Chamberlain, especially early in his days when oh. he was with Philadelphia, when he, you know, listen, he was a track star at Kansas um, and he played for the Globetrotters for one year. I mean, he was unbelievable, strong, quick, talented, you know, unfortunately, he went up against uh, Bill Russell in the 70s, uh, the Celtics during their heyday. So he didn't win very often, unfortunately, in Philadelphia. Um, he won once there and then he won out in Los Angeles. He was just, uh, you know, when you talk about the greatest and I agree with you, Andy. I mean, I'll always say that Michael was the greatest because, you know, I'm I'm a little jingoistic on that because I saw him. But Wilt is if, if you know, if Wilt's not the the greatest of all time. He's right there. Different positions, of course, but a force that couldn't be stopped. Well, can you imagine being the strongest player in NBA history where Bob Lanier said he moved me like a coffee cup and Gilmore was probably the second strongest and he admitted how strong Will was, but to be that strong and then also to be that fast where you beat Jim Brown in a, in a, in a race. I mean, it's, it's mind boggling. And the funny thing is nobody uh, downplays, the accomplishments of a Babe Ruth or a Jimmy Brown or a Bobby Orr. But Wilt's the only old-time athlete where his accomplishments are diminished. Yeah, like I said, it's unfortunate because he did win championships in both Philadelphia and Los Angeles, and he was he was surrounded by great players in both cities both times. But unfortunately, the people were always will say, well, he didn't win as often as he should have, but that's because the Celtics were so damn good. They just were. And you know what? To me, his crowning moment was in 72 when they beat the Bucks with with Kareem and Oscar. You know, so he went head to head to him and, and he held him to 45 percent, blocked 17 of his shots in one series. And what people lose track of the following year, the Lakers made it to the finals. The Bucks didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Wilt was uh, uh, unbelievable. All right. One last thing. Speaking of the Lakers <clears throat> and they've been struggling all season with injuries and COVID and everything else, someone's going to get take the fall there, and it might be sooner rather than later. Is Frank Vogel going to take the fall, it being their head coach? Yeah, I mean, they're not trading LeBron or or AD, and uh, I, I, I think at this point nobody wants Westbrook, but, you know, I'm still reserving judgment until they're whole because LeBron has been in and out of the lineup. AD missed some games. You know, Westbrook's new. Uh, they don't have Kendrick Nunn yet, who's a, a really good bench piece. I'm not counting on a reason to do much, but I'm still not going to jump to the full conclusion that this team is done. 
Okay, well, we'll see what happens near and far future. Also near future, um, and, and Andy and I have been collaborating on this. We're going to get more of the guys around the NBA who call the games on TV. Uh, we got Mike Breen hopefully on the runway somewhere down the road from uh, from not only national broadcast but the Knicks broadcast. I talked to Eric Reed, who was uh, the Miami Heat play-by-play guy. It's one of the things that I'm fortunate I work with all these guys. So we'll get him on at some point. Uh, I have Eric Collins from Charlotte. And he could talk firsthand about LaMelo Ball. And boy, oh boy, was he gaga talking about him the other night, yeah. let me tell you. So we'll get him on and, and so many of the other guys around the NBA uh, on the Sharpshooters broadcast. But for now, for Andy and for myself, we're going to say goodbye and we will talk to you soon.